0: Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by predictive content analytics software, Inbound Writer. Now, here are your hosts from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Uber Flip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Content Pros. Really, really excited. Today we're joined by the one and only Scott Monty.
2: Thanks, Chris. Scott, great to have you on the show. For those who don't know Scott, Scott has spent a lot of time helping big companies like Ford make sure that they're on the cutting edge and knowing what trends are coming. And now he's doing it for many brands through scottmonte.com, which is his own consulting business. Scott, thanks for taking the time to join us today. And maybe you can start off, um, you know, there's so many areas that we can take this conversation with you and maybe where I'd love to start it is what is one of the biggest trends that you've seen right now that you're excited about in terms of content where it merges with social?
0: Hmm. Well first of all thank you for having me on the show I'm uh, a big fan of uh, content pros and um, I guess social pros prior to that uh, when, when Jay handed out all the baseball caps and, uh, and cards um, you know, I think what, what's interesting about uh, content these days and, and where it meets with social is that um, you've, we've, I think we've gone through the eye of the needle uh, in terms of this notion of uh, quantity, uh, you know, people just blasting out content uh, constantly, and I think we've seen the pendulum swing back a little bit. We're seeing more of a uh, concentration on the quality of of the content and where that bridges with social is that you're not flooding the social streams uh, as, as a brand marketer, as a content marketer with a whole bunch of stuff and and what you are actually sharing is more worthwhile. So it's, it's leaving things less to chance and being more strategic about what it is you're going to share and looking at how your audience responds and really um, you know, using the data using the analytics to help inform your next wave of content creation.
1: I love that, Scott. And I think a lot of people now are still talking about digital transformation and the role that content can play in helping to transform an organization. And I know that your story and what you did at Ford is probably one of the best examples. So could you talk a bit to you know, how you set out to define that strategy and, and how you pretty much changed an entire company with digital media and content marketing?
0: Sure, um, you know it's a, uh, it's an amazing story that it goes well beyond the bounds of marketing or communications, and it really starts um, back in 2006 when Ford hired Alan Mulally as CEO. First of all, the the previous CEO was Bill Ford, who was the great grandson of Henry Ford. Um, And and Ford is still a family-controlled company. The Ford family controls 40% of the voting shares of the stock. So even though it's a public company, it's still very much a family company. And and first of all, that fact alone attracted me to the company in the first place, the fact that it's uh, still run by the people who are related to the guy who founded it. And, And as a matter of fact, the guy who founded it, his name is still on the logo. It's on the building today right? So um, that, that human aspect of Ford was a really, really important one uh, in my personal decision to go there. So in 2006, Bill Ford realized that he needed to step aside. Uh, he was not the man for the job. Uh, the company was really struggling at the time, and he brought in an outsider. He brought in Alan Mulally, who spent his entire career at Boeing. And when Alan came on board, he, he listened a lot which I think is a really important um, uh, quality, not only in leaders, but in how you think about content marketing and digital transformation. And he started working with people around the world to break down these silos that Ford had been famous for and got everyone to uh, work together on what he called the One Ford uh, Vision. And it it was pretty simple, one team, one plan, one goal. And it was all spelled out very simply. It fit on a business card, and everybody understood it and everybody got behind it. Part of what the One Ford vision espoused was transparency and the sharing of information. Uh, Whereas previously, information had been hoarded, knowledge had been uh, just kept within departments, within uh, geographical regions, because knowledge was power. So as we needed to start doing the digital transformation and as we saw how successful the company was being in social um, from 2009, 2010 and on, we knew that we started we needed to start turning that vision, that social vision internally, bringing those insights in, uh, bringing the data in, helping departments that had no connection with the outside world to start to understand what they needed to do to change. And as you well know, a lot of the precepts of social are about transparency and uh, being helpful. So it, it, it mapped really well to Ford's uh, culture change that was going on that drove this one Ford vision. And you know, you got uh, departments like IT and HR and even the legal department that were stepping up to be part of what Ford needed to do to start transforming itself digitally, not just for marketing, but also for uh, how the business ran itself.
2: That's really really interesting. Uh, You know, it's funny. We always think these days about content being that amazing tool that we can use to build a company up, right? Um, You know, to, to grow a company that, you know, can't afford some of the more traditional approaches to media. But, you know, in your case, you're talking about one of the largest companies that you know, many of us come to mind is you know, a Fortune 10 company uh, adopting content to redefine itself um, and, and build a new brand. How did, you, how did you sell that in? I mean, was that something that the you know, new brought in CEO was very excited about, or was that on you to help you know, say, OK, social is going to be one of the ways to do that content and brand storytelling is going to be the way to do that?
0: Well, you know, I don't think there was ever one inflection point where we just kind of said, aha, this is it. I, I think, um, you know, like the, the, the frog in the pot of water, the heat just kept getting turned up. But I think what did spur us on to get more aggressive initially was the carpocalypse. Now, you remember back in uh, mid to late 2008, there was a whole meltdown in well, the economy in general, but the, the auto economy um, in particular. And Ford went down to Washington with uh, GM and Chrysler to testify uh, as the bailout hearings were going on. And we realized, uh, when I was at Ford, we realized that we uh, needed a place to tell our own story because we were getting sucked into the news with the other two. And our story was very, very different from theirs. You know, we had this one Ford plan. We had our financing. Uh, the company was, uh, was well on the way to um, starting to turn itself around absent a big uh, government handout and we started uh, a, a site called The Ford Story uh, to, to basically do that storytelling. It eventually, in after about six months or so, it served its purpose and we morphed it into a corporate blog um, and then expanded that beyond just a blog into uh, an idea sharing site, uh, a place to celebrate fans, Um, a a place to award badges, uh, share photos, etc., and eventually it became a very uh, very very much an advocacy site that was undergirded with content. It it would be worthless if there weren't stories from other people, uh, from employees, from dealers, from customers, from the corporate entity itself um, to, to help tell each pillar of, those, uh, of the Ford story. right? So we realized that it had to be a multifaceted uh, beast and it had to serve a lot of different audiences. But it was all, uh, as I said, undergirded by uh, just great content. Visual content, video content, um, obviously text-based content, uh, and interspersed with moments of surprise and delight where we could pluck a long-time commenting fan from the audience and bring them to an auto show, for example, or have them meet uh, Alan Mulally or the engineer of their choice. So it really became a a well-oiled machine, uh, if you want to think of it from an engineering perspective, uh, that did a lot of the work.
1: So, Scott, now you're running your own company. and obviously the learnings you have from doing what you did at Ford and tons of other experiences are helping to shape what you're trying to do for other businesses. And I know that on Convince & Convert, you have a new series called the Monty Minute, and you're consuming tons of information and trying to distill that into one takeaway per week, right? And you've talked a lot about humanization, but what are some of the things that you're taking from your experiences and trying to apply to companies big and small now that you're doing it for yourself? Because I think... One of the things we hear a lot from folks in the content industry is, well, I don't have the budget of a Ford or the budget of an Oracle, and you know, I'm not as scrappy as a startup like but There's always some, we'll call them excuses maybe, there's always some reason that people try to use to say, "Like, we can't do things like other people are doing. And now that you're running your own consulting practice, what are some of the things you're pulling from big and small company experiences and trying to apply to other businesses?
0: Well first of all I think the important part is you don't have to do it like anyone else you have to do it like yourself and you have to do what you're comfortable with um, but recognizing that there are opportunities that may may put you in uh, an area that you haven't practiced before or something that you might not be totally uh, comfortable with and that's okay You don't have to do it on the scale of some huge company. So first of all, I think the most important thing is to understand what it is you're trying to accomplish. I see way too many companies that just rush headlong into this, whether it's uh, content creation or joining the latest platform, without stopping to ask themselves, why are we doing this? What are we hoping to achieve in the end? What results are we looking for? Because, first of all, if, if you if you don't do that, you, you don't have a strategy. You're, you're just going off directionless. Second of all, if you do that, you don't necessarily have a decent way of measuring how your performance, uh, how you're how you're performing. Um, so, so knowing what you want to accomplish will tell you how to get there, uh, in a number of ways. The second thing is, I think you really need to understand your audience who it is that you're trying to reach. You know, now that you've figured out what it is you want to do, who are you actually talking to? And it could be it could be a number of audiences. you know it could be employees, it could be franchisees, it could be potential customers, existing customers, you know you go right down the list. So you need to understand who it is that you're talking to. and then you need to understand where they get their information from. Um, you know, I, I uh, wrote recently about um, in, in one of the Monty minutes about uh, email still being very important, and, and a lot of people have poo-pooed email, basically giving it up for you know these these uh, greener pastures. And frankly, email is still the workhorse, right? Knowing that people still have inboxes, and frankly, that that's a more concentrated way to reach them, than Trusting something to the organic reach of Facebook, if there is such a thing anymore, or trusting, um, you know, a paid execution to necessarily get to them. So you need to understand exactly where your folks are. And then you need to prioritize. You may not have the budget to do all of this stuff, so you need to figure out which are the, the best ones to do. And then there, there should ideally be a mix of paid, earned, and owned content. It's not enough just to say I've got an email list and that's, that's going to serve me well, nor is it enough to say I've got a Facebook page and that's going to serve me well. There has to be some sort of combination of uh, your channels and an integration of all of those channels to really make this stuff work.
2: That's that's a great point, Scott. You know, it's, it also it's a, it's a great lineup to talk about. One of our sponsors when you when you're talking about figuring out what content to write, who your audience is, that's where Inbound Writer comes into play. Um, and you know, a lot of us wish we had an idea of what content's going to work out before you go and write it. And Inbound Writer helps with that. It's a content analysis tool that forecasts how your content will perform based on real-time analysis of your site your competition, and even search engine behaviors. Inbound Writer tells you which topics will work and removes all that guesswork from content creation and increasing traffic to your site. They're offering a free month trial of their platform if you go to inboundwriter.com slash content pros offer. So digging back to what you were just talking about, I mean, in in a way it sounded like you were talking a lot about creating strategy and, you know, being more strategic about what content or what messages you're gonna put out until you know what you want to accomplish. And uh, you know, both Chris and I were, were recently at Content Marketing World, um, and there we heard a lot about you know, a scary stat that only about 33% of companies actually have a documented content strategy. I mean, it's it's crazy to think it's that low, although in some cases you're probably out there and, and surprised it's that high. Can you talk to us about you know, who you <laughs> need to really get on board to make sure that that happens you know you know whether it's a company like Ford or whether it's some of the you know companies you're advising with today
0: sure um, I think it's a it, it's not unsurprising to, to think that there are only 30 or 33 percent of content marketers with a strategy document because there's been such urgency placed behind content marketing and and because it takes so many resources that you're so busy actually doing the work you don't have time to step back and and craft the uh, the the, the strategy Um, and and as I alluded to before having that direction having that understanding of what you want to achieve how you're gonna measure it who you want to reach what the ultimate output and outcome looks like um, it's absolutely critical so I would imagine that if you are doing content marketing that there has been some decree from on high uh, that this must be done and and usually that comes with a budget because you can't just do content marketing uh, for free or or in your spare time. Um, So having a conversation with your CMO or your chief communications officer or whomever it is that is making this ultimate decision uh, about content marketing I think is critical and having their buy-in and having their vision Uh, for what they expect out of this. And I've seen some recent statistics as well, both in social and in content, uh, that it's not necessarily getting the the results as speedily as some would like. Well, the reason is, for most uh, of these instances, you're building awareness and you're building relationships, and those things take time. If you're, if you're working on lead generation and sales, it's a very, very different branch of marketing. And while content marketing plays into that, it's not necessarily the, uh, you know, the, the, the bullseye spot for content marketing. So making sure that there is that understanding up front and building it into that strategy document uh, f- with your leadership is absolutely important. The other thing I'd say is that it's important to have a cross-departmental uh, alignment on this. Uh, even though there is marketing in content marketing, I don't think it's the sole purview of the marketing department. You know, when I was at Ford, communications was involved in an awful lot of this, and to us, uh, communications was the, uh, was the nerve center of Ford Motor Company. The communications department knew about everything that was going on, whether it was product development, whether it was a new product uh, being released or announced, uh, whether it was a marketing campaign, um, you know, IT sourcing, uh, hiring. I mean, there wasn't one area of the business that communications did not touch. And con- uh, concurrently, that meant that communications staffers had relationships all around the company and could mine very, very deep for stories and individuals that would turn into great content marketing pieces. The marketing department didn't necessarily have those relationships so the bridge between marketing and communications uh, in that instance was absolutely essential. So you need to ask yourself within your own company, uh, within your own team, uh, where are the gaps And who is it that you need to know and who can help unlock some of those great stories and and find great storytellers that are not the usual types of people to help staff out and and act as resources for you uh, for your content marketing play.
1: I love that, Scott. And I'd like to take that one step further, too, because I think think a lot of us in the content space do straddle the lines of awareness and lead generation. And I, I know for me and my team, our number one measurement is MQLs and now you're building your own consulting practice so obviously you care about weeds converting and bringing on new customers so I'm curious how are you using content to help build out your consulting practice
0: well not really any different than I have in the past you know I do a a weekly uh, newsletter that also goes on my blog called The Week in Digital and I curate uh, what I deem to be the most important stories of the week and I look for trends, and I offer some commentary and analysis along the way. And I offer this as a uh, as a thought leadership piece. It isn't necessarily meant to draw in business, but it is um, it is representative of how I think. Uh, it's meant to show uh, you know the areas that I'm uh, an expert in, um, or or that I have some expertise in. Um, and it's it's also meant to um, uh, to provide value to people. so when I go to conferences uh, or when I send an email out to uh, someone that I'd like to work with, I've got that as uh, the proof of what it's like to work with me or the the types of knowledge that I can bring to um, uh, to the table it, it It's not really meant to be. Uh, an inbound sense of, uh, of 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 lead generation.
2: That's interesting. You know, I, I want to kind of go back to you know your four days versus where you are now. I mean, in, in a way, you'd look back to you know, say 2006, 2008, when social was really just building, and you know, as much as it was obvious, it was still very much new. So you know, you, you had to be bold to go there and to push for to go there. Today, there's so many different channels Um, and and you touched a little bit earlier on first identifying what you want to accomplish, but I I was intrigued even going to your own site at scottmoney.com just to see the variety of channels in which you're participating in, even even Flipboard, which some of us have struggled to figure out what we use it for what we don't use it for. how obvious do you think it is where to turn today and what point does it become obvious for a brand
0: I think it's a great question because I don't think there is any obvious path anymore um, it's really a create your own kind of story uh, certainly you know if you're not on facebook and and twitter i would say at, at the minimum then you're probably missing out Twitter's a little more difficult uh, just because of the the struggles they're going through and just where the where the platform is right now. If you're in journalism, if you're in anything to do with the news, it's important. But as a microcosm of what we're talking about here, Twitter has always been a kind of self-serve environment. It it is whatever you want to make it out to be. And I think that the same is true with all of the platforms and all of the tools that are available uh, to you. For me, you mentioned Flipboard. Uh, For me, Flipboard is a really important tool in my... Uh, news gathering um, uh, process. You know, every week as I'm curating things, and I know there's other services like Feedly or Pocket or you know any dozens. You could even go back to Delicious if you wanted to. But for me, it's a place to drop in uh, the stories that I think are important, arrange them in a sensible way, and not only use it as a resource for myself, but offer it up to People that don't necessarily want to go through the newsletter every week but still want those stories, they can simply flip through them. And I think Flipboard, in that it offers the ability to create your own magazines. I've seen some uh, companies do some really fun things with Flipboard and put together uh, lifestyle magazines that touch on the the aspects of their uh, their customer base that they want to reach and that aren't necessarily just... Uh, it, it doesn't serve as just a product catalog for the company. right? So I think, again, that's a tool. I, I use it for curation. Brands use it for uh, lifestyle magazines. You know, there's probably a half dozen other ways to think about it. You can create your own your own journey. It's like those, you remember those books when we were kids, the create your own adventure where you, you don't know what the ending is going to be like and you make decisions along the way and, and you can go back and read the book three or four more times and still get to a different ending. I I think that's where we are right now with regard to content marketing and and digital. You can really create your own adventure.
1: I love the concept of create your own adventure. And I, I think we need to bring that back to a content perspective too. So Scott, you're curating a lot of content. I mean, there's so much. We know the term content shock that Mark Schaefer coined, and I think it's kind of an industry norm now. But What are you doing to kind of sort through the noise and and find the most appropriate piece of content? I think you were just talking about curation and the tools that can help with that, but what are you doing personally to try to not be overwhelmed with so much stuff and only read the things you care about?
0: Well, uh, a couple of things, and I I don't want to give away too many of my secrets, Uh, (laughs) but obviously I do want to provide folks with uh, some advice here. Um, the first thing I do is I subscribe to a number of email newsletters, and, and I am uh, fairly picky about what it is that I uh, subscribe to. Um, of course, uh, Convince and Convert is uh, on the top of that list, the, uh, the deliver, uh, you know, the, the daily dose that I get there with, with lots of different topics all week long. Um, I, I look at some of the industry verticals uh, that I'm interested in, uh, whether it's automotive or tech. Uh, security. Actually, just got an email from somebody asking me to subscribe to their uh, their security, cybersecurity e-, e newsletter. I think that's fascinating, particularly with uh, all of the, the hacking and the privacy issues that are going on right now. And I have a section in my newsletter about that. So to have a go-to source like that, that is in a sense doing some of the hard work for me. You know, I'm curating the curator in, in a certain way. Um, I also keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on in the tech world. Uh, by looking at tech meme um, I've got um, uh, the the daily uh, what is it the, the flipboard daily edition uh, that uh, you know kind of sums up things in categories business tech world news etc um, and then I also look at what uh, groups that I've organized on Facebook and on Twitter you know lists and and groups of friends what they're sharing because i realized a long time ago that a single person can't can't get all the information and can't be smart at everything so i try to surround myself uh, try to surround myself virtually with people that are smarter than i and i look at what they're sharing and what they're con- commenting on and i look at what's trending sometimes Um, So there's a mix of stories that you may have seen and then things that you may have missed and then ultimately how how they intersect and and how they come together and and I think that's the magic of of a good job of curation is that you're taking information from disparate sources putting it together to draw a conclusion or to spot a trend um, and and that alone becomes a value in um, reaching other people because my newsletter or whatever I share on social, could just be more noise. It could be adding to that content shock, as Mark Schaefer puts it. However, because uh, they know that I provide a quality product and that they like some of the conclusions I draw or that they like the sources I use or whatever reason it is, it's something that actually breaks through the clutter. I just saw a a comment from uh, somebody on uh, Twitter last night that was responding to uh, Scott Stratton. unmarketing and evidently he did uh, an unwebinar yesterday and he said that uh, my newsletter is, is the one that makes him drop whatever he's doing and go and read it and to me that is the ultimate compliment.
2: That's great, that's great, Scott. And yeah, I, think, I think the answer to Chris's question is, is right there. We can just follow your newsletter and break through all the noise.) <laughs> um, so we, we like there's so many questions you know, both Chris and I would love to ask you, but, but we all do always add, end on this one, which is, you know, taking a, a look way back when, um, you know before you probably knew you were as great as, as finding the next trend, and, and what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: Wow. Um, there's, there's a few things. I actually started out uh, with the intention of going to medical school. I wanted to be a pediatrician. I would have been a doctor if it wasn't for that science thing. Um, but what I did like is I liked the, the rapport that I had with people. I liked the ability to, um, to read people, to, um, to build relationships with them. And, and when you think about that, that, that's exactly what a marketer needs. Those are the, the softer skills uh, that are sometimes uh, just inherent. It, it's hard to teach some of that stuff. And, and I think I oftentimes had a strategist and a, and a, and a marketer's brain, uh, so I've tried to put that to good use. The, the whimsical side uh, would, would be that uh, I always wanted to be Johnny Carson, I and mean, that could be lost on a whole generation of listeners right now. But
2: tell, tell them Jimmy
0: Fallon. Jim, Jim, well, yeah, he's, he's the closest thing we have to Johnny. There's, a, there's not going to be anyone that approaches the magic of Johnny. And I, there's a podcast I listen to uh, by a good friend of mine uh, named Mark Malkoff. It's called The Carson Podcast, and he he's on uh, nearly 100 episodes now, and he's interviewed people that have worked on the show, been on the show, or whose life was somehow affected by Carson. And just in terms of content, because I, I want to wrap this around, of you know, the the show here, you got to remember that when Carson was on, it was from, I don't know, like 1962 to 1992 or so, 30 years. And you didn't really have a lot of choices in late night programming. There were three channels, basically. And if Johnny Carson talked about it the night before, you could guarantee that people would be talking about it around the water cooler the next day. It was the place to go if you wanted to reach mainstream America, and we simply don't have any kinds of platforms or tools that can do that anymore. Uh, that, that's why the Super Bowl, I think, is still such a big deal, is because there are very few instances when nearly everyone is tuning in, right? And Johnny had some of the best content around, and the best guests, and the uh, the best way of, of interviewing them, and people liked him, and there was that human aspect of it. And and when you wrap all of that around together, the, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson for 30 years was one of the best content plays in entertainment.
1: Well, Scott, I, I know you do a lot of voiceover work, and this is normally the part where I say you can follow us at contentprospodcast.com, you can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, and catch us next week on Content Pros, but I'm assuming you can actually do a Johnny Carson. So if you'd
0: like, <laughs> you could close out the show for us. Ask Johnny Carson. Well, no, no kidding. Uh, you, you, if, if you want to follow content pros, uh, go to every place they tell you. This is absolutely true.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Scott. It was awesome. We're going to have to reach back out to you, try to finagle some time from you in the near future, check back in and see how things are going.
0: Very good. And um, you know, if you guys ever get into video uh, on these interviews, my Johnny Carson is much more convincing as a, as a video impersonation rather than just as a voice. <laughs>
1: All right, well, we might have to get that and add it into the blog post. All right, well, thank you very much, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. We're the content pros, Randy Frisch from Uberflip, and Chris Booty from Oracle Marketing Cloud. And very special thanks to Scott Monty. Awesome show. Thanks, Scott.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Oracle Marketing Cloud, Uberflip, and Inbound Rider and is produced by Convince & Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by AudioBag.com